The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 40. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. This week we watched the 1984 movie A Nightmare on Elm Street. So Charles, tell us about Nightmare. Sure. So Freddy Krueger is this like burned monster guy who can uh, kill people while in their dreams. And so he starts killing a bunch of teenagers at this high school in their sleep. And the main character keeps being attacked by him and tries to figure out the rules of the dream world and how to fight back. And eventually she finds a way to drag him into her real world, light him on fire. It still doesn't seem to work, but I guess she learns the actual solution is to not give him the spirit power of fear or something like that. Uh, So she turns her back on him and he vanishes and she thinks that Everything's fixed and everything's okay and her friends are alive again, but it turns out that uh, I guess it was a trick the whole time because she gets locked into a car. And he's a car now. And gets driven away and uh, he's still around, so. Yeah, Freddy Krueger is basically... Setting up a sequel. Yeah, he's he's like the boo ghosts in Mario. You have to turn your back on him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) stop chasing you. (laughs) Uh, This was was your pick, uh, Crossman. Uh, Why'd you land on... Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I wanted to do a slasher <laughs> film, and this is like... This is the one. There's No, there's three. Well, it, okay, uh, this is one of the ones. So there's uh, Halloween. Yep. Um, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. And, one. and then there's this one. Yeah. Um, and then this this was probably the most Wait, like... Halloween and Friday the 13th are different movies? Yes. Yes. I, I get those <laughs> mixed up then. Uh, yeah, so the <laughs> characters in... A Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth are more similar, and okay. Freddy Krueger is like fairly different. I guess one so, of them has the white, like person face mask, yeah, right. and the that's, other has a white Michael hockey Myers. mask. And hockey they're both. Mask? That's yeah. Jason Voorhees. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, like, of the like kind of like '80s horror movies, they're kind of marked by like, or the like '80s like slasher movies. Mm-hmm. They each have like their own central character who often interact in sequels um and yes. then, this is like one of the like the foundational three anyways so i think like to understand like other horror movies it's important to like see these ones yes. from the 80s because like the mm-hmm. the 80s kind of marked like a turn in horror where they started to do like kind of like more scale like intense like violence yeah. Like eighties are like kind of gore. marked by yeah, like yeah, like very intense like violence being shown on screen, and this well, formula was very popular in the eighties. Yeah, well, uh, intense and just like really extreme and over the top and like mm-hmm. in, in physically impossible in the real world, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so this kind of like 
teen torture movie was like very popular in the 80s and it still seems like to even into the day. 90s yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it's fallen off in lieu of like more like saw style films yeah have become more popular in the mm-hmm. aughts and like 2010s <laughs> Um, but this like def- this style of like horror film like dominated like the eighties and, and nineties. Yeah. And then the other thing I like about it, I, th- I think the character's interesting. Like he's masochistic in a strange way. It's it's a weird movie. Yeah. And uh, and I think it, as I said earlier, like important for understanding like more recent horror films. Right. I, yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting when you compare this to more recent horror movies. How yeah. the, what like the indie horror movies have picked up from this and what they haven't. Yes. Because I think like the cast of teenagers who like have some sort of mission to accomplish, um, often a female lead, that they, they have picked up. You look at movies like It Follows or The Guest or whatever, like that they have adopted. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the extreme lore has kind of fallen away and that you see in The Hostels and The Saw and, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's kind of yeah. like this movie offers it's a like lot a of... bifurcation. Right, yeah. yeah. And like a different... <clears throat> People are drawn to horror by different things, and they've kind of mm-hmm. picked up the parts that they like from this movie and set aside the parts that they don't like. Um, and th- it's interesting to go back to the source and see both of those things in one spot, um, like, you, like you do here. There's a lot bad to say about this movie, though. Like, it doesn't hold up. You didn't, you really? Well, well, parts of it don't. Parts. Okay. Some of the effects are, like, very bad oh, sure. and, like, yeah. don't hold up. Yeah. Um, like, wacky waving, arm flailing, Freddy <laughs> that was Yeah. Fucking great. <laughs> Um, but there are, arms, there, there are like still <laughs> scary parts of this movie too that, that hold up well. Yeah. I think it, so. It was more fun than I remembered. Yeah. Like, it's, it's borderline comedy. Yeah. Like, like I was so. pretty, Kruger a funny character. The yeah. line that yeah. stood out to me when, was when, uh, Nancy looks in the mirror and she says, Oh God, I look like I'm 20. 20 yes. Yeah. 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 Which yeah, was funny because I looked up the movie after and the actress was 20 when right. they were filming. Right. Not yeah. too shocking. Uh, what do you think of this one? Did you were you into it? Did it scare um, you? Did it not scare you? Was it funny? See. Even if you didn't like it, it's a breezy ninety-one. Minutes. Right, yeah. you're not. It's not so, as. So I don't think it was <laughs> as scary as I feared it would be, yeah. based on its reputation as a horror movie. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be bothered by horror movies as much as I anticipate being. Yeah. Um, or maybe modern horror movies would be scarier. I don't know. If they get better at it. Depends what you're scared by. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's very specific. Um, other than that, I don't. I just don't think it's my genre, I guess. Okay. Like, I can see how people would gravitate toward these movies the same way that I gravitate toward, like, shitty action movies because I want to see a cool action scene, mm-hmm. right? Here you want to see some cool murder scenes mm-hmm. and, like, some cool jump scares and that kind of stuff. And they certainly do that. Um, but it's not the kind of thing that I find, like, that I really gravitate toward. Um, and, I don't know, the movie felt very predictable to me uh, just because... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's because it's the originator of this formula, but I kind of knew just when all the jump scares were going to happen. You can really tell because, you know, they they were all signaled. Uh, This is from before they started playing with your expectations because I guess when you watch this, um, you didn't have any expectation going in. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, none of the jump scares really got me because you know it's coming. Um, It, It doesn't really do, like, the false jump scare thing. Like, yeah. you'll, you'll see that a lot in horror and thriller now, where, like, mm-hmm. they'll be setting you up for a jump scare, and, like, it's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming, and then it just doesn't. Yeah. Right. So then the next time they do it, you don't know if it's going to be another fake one or a real yeah. one. And this movie just doesn't do that. Like, if it looks like a jump scare, it it's is. It's going to be one. <laughs> there yeah, is. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And I feel like that's just the Even the, the quote-unquote fake jump scares with, like... <laughs> 
the dude bro mm-hmm. at the beginning. Oh, it's like, all right. He, like, tackles his friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's still, like, I jumped at that. Um, right. And then later in the movie, there's a scene where she's, like, looking at a mirror in her room, and it's on her door, and Freddy just, like, jumps through the Oh, mirror. I saw that coming from a mile away. No, I saw it coming, too, <laughs> yeah, but, like, when it, when it actually happens, it, like, it did get me. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I... I mean, I liked it. Like, I, I yeah. was kind of into the goofiness of it. It was way funnier than I remembered. Yeah. Like, I was, I was, like, intentionally or not. Yeah. Um, it was just, it felt light and almost kind of fun and weird. And, you know, it, it had some, like, unexpected things to say. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it as an artifact. Like, it just as, oh, like, look at what, where it we come from. definitely is that. Yeah. Of, in, like, yeah. In the Heathers episode, <clears throat> I described the 80s weirdness that I don't like. <laughs> okay. And this movie definitely has it in spades. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Just, like, everything to do with Freddy and, yeah. Just, yeah. like, some of the weird effects, like, when he slashes himself and, like, all the maggots come out or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, he's, it's like. kind of gross. Or, like, yeah. when she's on the phone and he says, like. I'm your boyfriend now, and the phone turns into a <laughs> little mouth tongue. with a tongue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that is so like that is exactly the kind of eighties weird that I hate. <laughs> I, I got it. It's so that. goofy. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because it's just so silly, um, and it seemed like in tune with the movie yeah. um, at that point. Same thing with like the big goofy arms, and like when he tries to intimidate her by cutting his his fingers off in the dream and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's just okay. Like, sure. So I, I think a lot of this is credit to the guy that played. Freddie, who's like a character actor. Robert England. Robert England. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, like, before he joined the film, like, mm-hmm. they, it was going to be like a much more serious film. And yeah. his, like, in the, like, he took it seriously to, like, an mm-hmm. intensity level that was probably not necessary for a crappy horror film in the 80s. <laughs> but, like, that's why I think it, like, still kind of works at points. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think he, like, he takes it seriously in that he wants to make a good movie, but I think he recognizes yeah. the absurdity of this whole thing. Yeah. Right? And, like, plays into that really hard. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, he, he knows that, like, the kids in it maybe aren't going to connect with that. Like, the good actors aren't going to connect with that. But he can, I think, see it from a greater vantage point and be like, okay, I can I can goof around here. Like, yeah, it's a way in which, the, like, the character, like, delights uh, going after the teens. Right. It's, like, different from, like the sort of other films of the same era like in Halloween or in Friday the 13th the characters are kind of they're just like faceless emotionless mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. zombie like characters that are coming after you at all times yeah. and like will eventually find you and Freddy is that but he also like enjoys it too like and he enjoys like torturing his victims right I, I and, thought oh, I'm sorry finish your thought and, and the way and he like the other films like they still have to like technically like physically get you and that's not the case with freddy that's true yeah yeah Yeah. so freddy because he can kind of like bend the universe around him is more scary in a way because he can like always get you i mean it's supernatural there's no explanation for what's going on. right yeah yeah they don't even make that's like the scariness of it's kind of like in the shining right well i thought that this was an interesting one to watch after the shining because they're scary in such drastically different ways yeah right like there's nothing really creepy about this movie right like a few bits of it yeah here and there but that's not like the main mode it's operating on it's operating on and just like the quite literal existential threat that you will get killed by this person yeah. <laughs> in short order. Yeah, and right. that doesn't seem to really get me, yeah. I guess. I, I, while watching this, I was trying to think about what really scares me mm-hmm. um, because that's important to think about when you think about horror movies, right? Sure. And I can't think of an easy, like, 
generalization, I right? Because like, I mean, like at first I thought, oh, I'm scared of things that could realistically happen to me, right? And like, being chased by a murderer is something that could theoretically happen. So <laughs> you're but, out there, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not that bothered by it for some reason. Right? <clears throat> yeah, so, I don't know. Like, what bothered me in this movie? There were a few scenes that like genuinely scared me a bit. Like when Tina is getting killed, mm-hmm. oh, um, she's, like flying around the bed. Room. Yeah, and yeah. like there's this blood everywhere and yeah. she starts like flying into the ceiling and stuff and I thought that was pretty scary because like all the blood just came out of nowhere right mm-hmm. there's a lot of it mm-hmm. um, and that was pretty disturbing and also later when um, Tina shows up in Nancy's dreams in the body bag and starts talking to yeah, her that, that really good. bothered me she's like talking through the body bag that was really scary yeah yeah, <clears throat> that, well, yeah that did work the body bag thing it, it definitely felt like this didn't have like a huge budget but they like use the budget really well in this film. Yeah. Like, all the effects are very practical, mm-hmm. and some of them hold up really well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some better than others, but for the most part, they... But yeah, like I mean, that, that one, you, that's just, just, you like, just have her in a bag tied yeah, through yeah, the bag. Yeah, that with, like, really some fake blood on her. Yeah, her, that works. Her body's so pale and all that. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, the dead body stuff gets me pretty often. Okay. I mean, so, well, but I can't generalize why that and not, like, being murdered by someone gets to me you know i, I, I don't trying know to figure that out i don't so. know how to unpack that either but yeah. <laughs> i think the most famous kill in this movie is johnny depp right when he gets sucked into the bed blended gets blendered. <laughs> shot out you got some johnny in, depp in juice. pure viscera um i did not expect that because all the previous kills in the movie were relatively normal right like tina gets slashed <laughs> rod gets hanged mm-hmm. um Death so gets, uh, you don't expect to, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, like apparently, it was a, a Shining reference. Like it was uh, meant to call, recall the elevator um, in it, the Shining. I, I definitely noticed. Yeah, that the was, similarity. That was not a mistake. It's a wave of blood. This is also Johnny Depp's first appearance on screen. Yes, the debut, it was, and it said in the credits, introducing, introducing. Johnny Depp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And apparently, he was chosen by like the directors or the producers, like daughters. They just like show them a bunch of headshots, and they were like, like "That guy, who do you like?" And they chose Johnny Depp. <laughs> and and yeah. now we have Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> now we have Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> and, yeah. and Transcendence. And Transcendence, most importantly. <laughs> yeah, this is their fault. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was kind of chuckling at how young he looked in this one. He must be. 20 at the oldest. Yeah. I doubt yeah. it. I, I Probably would less. guess that he's in his teens. Yeah. yeah. Like he's yeah, a he, child. He, he's a baby. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. When did he do Cry Baby? That was like five years later. No I idea. That's when most people like recognize him as someone to, to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, he was. Yeah, I, like I have opinions about Johnny Depp, but like here, <laughs> I think you can see him actually act in a way that. Some of these other characters. He aren't. seemed to be doing the best job out of the teen actors. I yeah. think I, I liked the female lead at the end, and I, at the end, like where she got the character. I liked. Um, I thought the Tina character didn't really do much of anything, but she was in the she movie. Wasn't on the she was just there to get murdered. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't. Yeah. She was barely in the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I I did like uh, what's her name Heather or something the one that played Nancy. Uh, she, Langenberg or something like that. Yeah, it's a long L. Langenkamp. Okay, there sure. Um, she reminded me of like some of the recent, like uh, Micah Monroe and Anya Taylor Joy. Like I think you can draw a pretty straight line from her performance here to those actors in It Follows and The Witch um, and Split. Unfortunately, but she was good in it. Um, and I think that that's that's interesting that like horror is able to center female leads more than other genres are. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, as you said, she gets to like a good place in this film. Like at first, she's yeah. being tortured. Yeah, and then she decides to take a proactive. I did, role I did like that like, she yeah. seemed very resourceful the entire way through. Yeah, right. Like she does. She her, does like a Rambo series of traps, like uh, in her house. Like, yeah, I thought of Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah right. It is closer to Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, but the weapons she chooses are much more intense than right. Home Alone. Right, she like whips it all up at a yeah. like in the space of half an hour or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sets all these. Freddy's traps. like not expecting to be messed with at all. Right, and, like really right. gets her. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I she think gets from the very beginning, it's shown that she's very resourceful which i liked like yes. the very first time she gets attacked by freddy she has the awareness to burn her arm yeah, to wake herself good. up and i thought that was really cool yeah, yeah. i agree like, yeah no, i think she's a really good character um i i like that she starts up this relatively innocent space and ends up like making herself become like a little bit more cynical and a little bit more ready to take matters into her own hands and a little mm -hmm. bit more jaded um i i like that about her yeah um so you can see this arc that the other characters are simply don't have um so yeah she that was a strong performance from a young actor and when her plan like kind of hinges on johnny depp and then johnny depp gets, <laughs> he fucks he up gets, twice. gets killed <laughs> yeah um she's able to yeah well first he fails and falls yeah. asleep and then he falls asleep again and then he yeah. falls asleep again yeah yeah he's losing with the tv on top of him <laughs> right that yeah. was confusing he's watching the tv yeah with headphones, headphones on listening to a record player right this dude's and, wired yeah and yeah all this, of that this goes dude's like a pre-millennial millennial. millennial. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah was, portends uh, that well. <laughs> he was plugged into the system. Um, but when he gets killed, she's capable to like, she's capable enough to like adjust her plan and kind of move on without yeah. help from her kind of bland boyfriend. Right. In, in yeah. Johnny Depp. Right. Yeah. Or even when yeah. her father doesn't show up. Yeah, speaking yeah. of her father was in Enter the Dragon, right? That yeah, was, the that whole was time Roper. I was yeah. like, where have I seen that guy? And I looked him up after. Yep, it's yeah. Roper of uh, <laughs> Enter the Dragon. Because uh, I had the same sense. I was like, that dude looks super familiar. Yeah. So he had an yeah. illustrious career. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> and, and movie, movies we watched. Two iconic It also seemed like, they, they never said it, but it seemed like her parents were divorced. Yeah, or like they had some sort of marital problem. Yeah, yeah which for like the early 80s was like, that's kind of out there. Yes, but it, it, and that might be why they didn't say it. Yeah. Um, it, the other, the strong implication is that it's due to the mom's alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, because she was depicted as an alcoholic towards the back, back half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, like the scene when like she sees her daughter, or she hears her daughter coming down the stairs, and she has like the giant bottle of vodka that she like hides behind her on the counter. It's, and like, it's like cartoonish. Immediately discovered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or like she, the, Nancy like peeks out her door, and she's like, Taking the bottle of vodka out of the <laughs> right, yeah, like yeah. There's an oh, there's, she just got vodka stashed all over it. Right, house. like, and she had a line towards the end of the movie where um, the mom is in bed, and she said, "I don't remember the rest of the context, but she says to Nancy, sometimes you have to turn away.'" And immediately after she says that, she whips out her like giant two liter <laughs> bottle of vodka, <laughs> takes us away, and sets it down. It's implied though that she's like troubled by the fact that she was involved in yes. Freddie's murder. Yeah. Yes. Um, back in the day. Yeah. Which I thought, okay, yeah. like, since you raised it, like yeah. that was one of the more interesting thematic points in this movie, right? Because yeah. like the thematically, I think what people think of this movie, it's about suburban life and like getting trapped inside of this like hermetically sealed you know, small town, idyllic thing. Um, but it's also kind of a defense of civil liberties, right? <laughs> like, because the uh, idea is that Freddie got off on a technicality. Yes. And yeah. 
therefore, he's like, a child murderer. He's a child murderer. He's yeah. married. He, yeah, he married, murdered twenty kids, and this girl never heard about it before, which is doesn't make any sense. But yeah. he gets off on a technicality because the judge or somebody, the magistrate, didn't sign search warrant, which is not how anything works. <laughs> and so the parents all track him down and, and burn him to death, and now he's a spirit that haunts people's dreams. Yep. And so he wouldn't be a spirit if they hadn't burned him to death, right? Yes. So if they had just followed the law, right, and not taken the law into their own hands, none of these other kids would have died, and they wouldn't have to worry about this spirit haunting people. Right? <laughs> so it's like... Right. Following your line of logic here. <laughs> they didn't kill him. He would have just murdered kids the normal way, right? Maybe, or they would have been... Or, or they the, can escape. Or the DA would have been able to, you know, find evidence of yeah. for one of 20 murders yeah. happening yeah. in this small town. But Yeah, but it is interesting them. that they're like... The main characters are like complicit... In Freddy's murder, right, and such and, he's like exacting revenge, right? And their complicity yeah. stems from vigilantism, yeah. yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like this it's story. Uh, it, this is not theme A, but it's I think it's definitely present in the movie. It's a story about how our fi- the fifth, the fourth, and fifth amendment are important, right? <laughs> and we should be following them. And if you don't, it will come quite literally come back to haunt you. Which, <laughs> right? which is contrary to the opinion of the time. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. Seven, like, we have, this, like, is, this is Reagan era... Like, you know... Crime vigilantism movies are, and, like... And tough really on crime popular. politicians. Right? Yeah. Like, this is Death Wish. This is Dirty Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this, this is uh, the Credit Crunch. Those are, of which are also male-centric films. Yep. And, and here we have, like, have a... A female-centric film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, n- not the mainstream at the time. Um, and again, I don't think that that's necessarily the point that this movie is driving home, mm-hmm. um, but I think that it is definitely there. Like, I think that that is uh, an attended perspective. Um, and just that, like, the, the moment when she wins, when Nancy wins, is when she decides to not fight him violently, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when she decides to not give over to her fear, it's when she decides to turn her back on on Freddy Krueger as someone who needs to be defeated by his own means by physically overpowering him which is kind of you know the pre- the premise of the rule of law right like that's <laughs> that mountain that's not what we should be doing mm-hmm. uh, and that is fascinating to me like I had not I did not expect to see that here on this viewing yeah, but she didn't win in the end oh, whatever that that <laughs> epilogue is fucking gibberish <laughs> yeah but that's just like a normal horror yeah that trope. is that that's the work we want to make a sequel if we can make a sequel thing, right? Like, I think the messaging of the movie happens in, in that moment, like when he becomes a blue light or something. Um, yeah, he <laughs> that, vaporizes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, I thought I was really surprised by that. And the worst, to the very, in the epilogue, the worst effect in the film which happens one? where there's a... Oh, through the window. There's the a window dummy window. who, like, he <laughs> grabs the window and her body turns, like, completely rigid yep. and goes... Yep. <laughs> Horizontally through, through, through this window. tiny window, it's like <laughs> yeah. no way a person could fit through. Yeah, it's like you couldn't find like a soft doll or something right. to pull through. Yeah. Right, or just frame that any other way. Yeah, like, yeah. literally any other way. <laughs> it, it's it felt like an afterthought, or they were just like, we're at like eighty eight minutes, so right. we need to like yeah, get yeah. over ninety Bump to it make it to a, 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 a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. feature length on a technicality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that epilogue moment was. S- strange. Like, I didn't know what to do with that. I, I was like, oh, is he a car now? Like, I did think it was interesting yeah. that they had it all, like, bright and cheerful looking, yeah. and then yeah. all the Freddy stuff happened. Right, right. Um, but the other big theme of this movie that I think is much more present is that this is about the nightmare of living in, uh, they're getting trapped in a suburban 
America, right? Like that it's this idyllic place with a rotten core, um, which is a theme we've seen in several movies that we've watched so far. 80s um, movies in particular yes. are yeah. really, yeah, really focused on suburbs because this is like, uh, I'm not a historian of this, but I <laughs> assume that what happens is like in the 70s is like when white flight occurs, like late 60s, 70s. Yeah. So all these white families leave the cities, they form mm -hmm. suburbs and you have like the, the redlining that's happening that's like keeping people of color out of suburbs. Yeah. And then all these movies are dealing with the question of like, what is suburban what life built? like? Yeah, what yeah. have we built? And we've we built this like very strange castle for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's like very much directly in this movie where her mom like puts bars on all the yes. windows in this like super safe neighborhood. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so I, all the like Heather's dealt with this too. Mm -hmm. um, what yeah, was the other Club. Breakfast Club Breakfast also Brick. dealt with this, where it was just like, yeah what do we do now that we're in the suburbs and we've walled ourselves off from the rest of the world? But, and and what, is it, what does it say about us yeah. that this is what we create? Yeah. Like, like, what does it say about us that this is our idea of the good life? Yeah. Um, and something that you should be striving for and yeah. earning. And uh, it, it turns out, like, life is still dangerous. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, there's still forces that, like, murder still happens in, in the 20 suburbs. 20 child murders. Yeah, 20 child murders. A few months or whatever. Um, and the... Because the parents are also immoral, like mm -hmm. they've walled themselves off from what they perceive as like a, a dangerous like urban community. Yep. And then they murder people in the suburb. They murder yeah. Freddie, right? Yep. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You so know what like, crime are they, they keeping out? Too. Yeah, yeah. This, this exactly. Um, and this movie also deals like with the sort of like very heavy-handed moral morals of suburban life, mm -hmm. where. This is, I believe this is the first horror movie where teenagers are um, plot-wise, like, punished for, like, sleeping with each other. This is the first time that happened? I, th I think it is oh, one really? of the first times. Okay. Yeah. I did notice and, that. And that trope There's is, There's a little like, bit of the of religious imagery. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's an interesting... I'm not sure if the movie is, like, saying the right thing about it, but they do, like punish teenagers for, for for like living outside like the, the rules of their community right and yeah. that yeah. like it, it feels because that's a very criticized trope yeah right like because that yeah. that it, it shows up in so many other horror movies after this so yeah it's the first time i did not realize that yeah. um and the and not until the, very recently has that trope started to like get a good critique in horror films that are being made now so like right. as you mentioned the witch <laughs> and it follows like yeah. Both those films, the central idea is taking apart that, yeah, one that, of them, that yeah. trope of like teenage sexuality, right, yeah. right, and because the the reading of it is just the the surface, not even surface level, but I think correct reading of it is that it's just straight slut shaming, right? That yeah, women specifically should be punished for having sex. I think that it's important that it's Tina that is killed after that, and not. Leather Rod. jacket guy, whatever his name is. Yeah, um, he I just remember his name. James is, Dean. I think his name is Rod because I just found it a hilariously <laughs> it jock name. Of course, it's Rod. he's supposed to be like a James Dean character. Right, though. Right. he's like a bad boy. He's living on the edge. It, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> Which he kind of plays that up really well. Like I kind of, yeah. I like that performance that he's just kind of hammy about it. Yeah. Um, he reminded me of the guy in Twin Peaks that has the leather jacket, whose name I can't remember, but um. I mean, this character like exists in a lot of yeah, he's movies. All over. It's yeah. it's um it's in Heather's too, right? Sure. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the Slater character. Yeah. yeah. And they all are like James Dean wannabes, right? Because these are the yeah. 
films that their parents are watching and they're watching. So, like, they are yeah. emulating James Dean. Well, and really, the, the films, they're misunderstanding, right? Because yeah. they're rebel without a class. Like, James Dean is this, he's an open wound in that movie, right? Yeah. Like, he's just so emotive. He, he, you know, balls at the end of the movie, right? Like, he's just a very emotional character there. So, it, yeah. just this misreading of masculinity. Um, that we see in that character, but people it's not, tend to do that. We've noticed, right? Yeah. They, you just pick and choose the little bits that you want that fit your view of what masculinity is. Same as same as like all the YouTube comments about Predator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Heather's yeah. kind of dealt with that, where like they have the like uh, the jock like football guys mm-hmm. that they end up killing and then framing them as gay, as, as gay and like yeah. murdering each other because of their because of like them. relationship. So like Heather's like kind of critiques that in a no I think it definitely does yeah. right like it's a satire like it's, it's yeah, meant yeah. to be critiquing. I think things, Christian so. Slater was supposed to be like the James Dean sort of dude and he ends up being a yeah monster. but he's right yeah but there it's like kind of different trope mas- masculinity tropes that sure. they're yeah. dealing with yeah, yeah. like the, the yeah. like the rebel that we see here right like where yeah. the, and his idea of James Dean is literally just the cardboard cutout from the front of Rebel Without a Cause yeah. and not anything to do with the movie. Um, yeah. Have you seen Rebel Without a Cause? I have not. That is a, you, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a great, great movie that holds up really well despite being mm-hmm. uh, pretty old at this point. Um, is it 55? Yeah. Right? Right Something like that. Yeah. yeah 50s. I noticed two themes in this movie that have some throughput to the other 80s teen films we've seen. Say more. Uh, the first <laughs> one was the theme of the parents kind of not connecting mm-hmm. with the problems their children have because the whole time they're trying to help their kids but it's just so ineffectual there's like them taking her to the sleep clinic there's putting the bars in the house there's the policeman who doesn't believe her and like tells his buddy to watch the door in case something weird happens right um so yeah the parents always seem a little disconnected from their kids um and like don't believe what their kids are saying. Yeah. And that leads to the other theme um, that we see consistent throughout these 80s teen movies where um, it's a theme of the what's going on in the teens' heads as being serious and real. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's, it's less subtle here where it's just like these things in their dreams are actually murdering them, right? But there's that consistent <clears throat> theme of uh, the teens' problems being real problems that we should take seriously. Yeah, uh, that we saw in like Breakfast Club, for example. I think part of it is that the issue though is like it's the parents' fault, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Freddy Krueger exists because of the parents, and yeah. the parents are incapable of like solving the problem because they're not willing to deal with what they did head on. Yeah, like they're trying, like the sleep clinic and the other stuff is a way of like avoiding what they came to, and it's not until late in the yeah. movie that the mom admits to like what happened right well she admits yeah. what ha- what happened but is still incapable of fixing it right like it, it it still is on nancy yeah it's like they've let this genie out of the bottle and they right they don't know how to right and it, it, insofar yeah. as freddie stands in for yeah. you know the the horror at the core of the suburban lifestyle and dream mm-hmm. you know it's the parents may have constructed it and you might even get to a point where your parents are understanding that this world that they brought you into is not what they thought it would be, it's still up to the child to escape. And it's still up to the child to defeat the horror. Um, and yeah. the parents can only do so much or anything at all. Well, that's a real thing, right? Like yeah. The parents passing their problems onto their kids and <laughs> yep. the kids just have to deal with it themselves mm-hmm. and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you ever read The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen? 
No, but I did miss a trivia question about it last week. <laughs> well, would, yeah. It, the title refers to the idea that everybody's life is a correction of their parents' lives. Okay. And I think that that comes into play with these themes in these 80s teen movies. Um, and you see it here, too. Right? It's very literalized in this movie, but you see yeah. it here, too. <laughs> and embodied. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what horror is, is good at, right? That it's it deals with metaphor and, like, big sweeping ideas a lot because it can make your internal psychological horror something physical and real that you can point to mm. and observe and, is, and externalize. And once you can do that, it's easy to see how that is oriented to the other parts of our life and our politic and our, our experiences. Um, so I, to, you see, I think, good horror movies do stuff like this all the time where it's operating in big metaphors as opposed to like a slice of life story or something. Yeah. Um, and that is a, a compelling part of the genre, right? Like I think that that's a lot of what the value is. In, in, yeah, I mean, in you can films. learn a lot from what you're afraid of. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Although it makes me wonder now that you bring this up, how much of the messaging in this movie is intentional uh, versus just the writers going, wouldn't it be <coughs> badass if this guy could kill you in your dreams? How do we do, construct a story around that? Yeah, I, I don't know what's proven that well, but my it's just reading the text. It feels pretty on point to okay. me, right? Like it, it feels intentional to me. Yeah. So he um, direct, directed it and wrote it. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, he seems like a clever guy. He's done other horror <laughs> stuff, right? Right. He's known and as he's one of like the masters of horror. Yeah. yeah. He's and has maintained a long career throughout. Uh, oh, yeah, like he created Scream. Like he, yeah. so he's like, so in this movie also like references a lot of other horror films. So The Shining, you mm -hmm. said earlier, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay, he's referencing a lot. Have you seen that? Nope. Any of the three versions of that film, <laughs> of which only the seventies is. Good. I don't think I'm very um, familiar with that property. It's a um, communism metaphor, right? We've we've mentioned it before on the show. I think. Yeah, there's yeah. like this alien invasion of what they call pod people yeah and once you fall asleep you are you become like part of the horde and you become this like okay. zombie zombie like um and so the notion of like having to stay up is important to mm -hmm. the invasion versions right um, okay and this film like they deal with that a lot right where they're like that's the avoiding premise. her. Yeah. Avoiding oh, yeah. I thought it was really nightmares. funny yeah. that she had to hide some coffee under her bed so that her mom wouldn't see. <laughs> that <laughs> she, was, she rips up a whole freaking coffee she, machine. The whole that coffee machine still plugged in. Super funny. Like a, mis, yeah. like a Mr. Coffee, a big <laughs> one. Like, she just pulls it out. And I was like, it, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, I guess it's good that you can't smell on film. Right. Yeah. Like, you would make... smell like a coffee being brewed in, in, the, in the room. In little bedroom. Yeah. yeah. With all the windows closed. It felt like a like a prop gag. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it really did. I yeah, laughed. That was, that was really funny. Just whips yeah. out this giant. It's like you can't just pour herself some coffee downstairs. Yeah. She has to steal the whole machine. Um, so, yeah, like that, that kind of stuff. It makes me... Like, there's no way. Nobody can watch that and not realize that it's funny. Right? Like, that that feels like a joke to me, not just something we're yeah. laughing at. Like, that, it's gotta be. And I think that you see that kind of stuff all over here. Like... It's called a horror movie, but there's so much stuff that undercuts the horror. Um, the tele telegraphing the jump scares, for one thing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the goofy sight gags. The music during all of the chase scenes. Oh, I thought right? the music in this one was sweet. It was sweet, but it wasn't scary, right? Like, <laughs> the, the way that mm -hmm. the music was used 
uh, whenever Freddie is chasing somebody, like it's kind of upbeat and <laughs> like Did almost this movie dance music. Define like what horror movie music would sound like. Halloween did more, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that one has like the iconic song, I think, but it has a similar tone to it where yeah. it uses some of the like That's synthetic piano noises, yeah. um, as well as some of the like darker sounding synths. Yeah, so that's yeah. like John. Car- you're talking like that's a John Carpenter thing, yeah, and so okay. the like synth like '80s sound. Yeah, John Carpenter like really invents that. Yeah, when was um, the thing released again? I don't. I forget which um, year in the '80s that the was. Thing was later in the '80s yeah. than this, I believe. But yeah, I think so too. No, it wasn't. It was '82, so it really? precedes okay. this. But Carpenter is known for doing music in a lot of his films, okay. and even and writing the, it. Right? Didn't and, he compose it? Right. Yeah, composing yeah. it and like oftentimes playing it. Okay. Um, and if we recall, the thing was like a Morricone soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But his other films, like, he did the music for, and that's, yeah. like, that, like, synth, like, 80s sound, that's, like, signature Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. The, I mean, and, and horror is a very incestuous genre, yeah. and you see that particular strand repeated a lot. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the Halloween synth, because that's where that, yeah. that's what that's associated with the most is Halloween. And, yeah, that that's all over. And, yeah, I think you see it used differently in that movie um, than you do here. But. I think what I was getting at earlier, though, was, like, Craven, <coughs> as a director, like, this feels like kind of like a meta-horror film, even though it, like, kind of sets the tone for this type of, like, slasher film. And then he, in the 90s, he goes on to create Scream, and Scream is, like, another, like, a, like a 90s meta-horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's definitely smart, and, like, he's referencing other horror films. He knows the genre. He knows how to toy with it. Mm-hmm. And I think bringing in comedy was, like, very much like a Wes Craven like invention yeah. and you see that in Scream where like Scream yeah. is like a teen movie but it's also comedic yeah. and <laughs> like have you seen Scream? No. Have you seen Scream? <laughs> okay. Did I not mark it on our thing? Uh, I think yeah. Okay. I okay. hope I did. Was I don't on. have the list in front of me but <laughs> yes I saw yeah. Scream. Yeah. Um, so yeah and I think he, he so he kind of takes an interesting stance within the genre in that respect because you look at someone like a John Carpenter who is a master of the form, but also very in it, yeah. right? Like he is, he is of the genre in a lot of way. You compare him to like someone like Kubrick who is an outsider and like uh, almost invading the genre. And it feels like Wes Craven is kind of straddling those, that line, mm-hmm. right? Where on the one hand, he is clearly a huge fan of what's going on. He's making movies that function as horror movies strictly, purely, but also do this kind of meta level, poking fun at it, kind of aware of what it looks like to an outsider kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it works for me as someone who is like medium on horror in a broad sense. Um, I, I like what he does. Um, and I, I would probably go see a Wes Craven movie before most John Carpenter movies, but again, that's simply where I'm oriented within the, within the genre. Um, but yeah, so I think that's interesting. It's interesting that uh, he can occupy that space in a very insular uh, genre category. Yeah. Uh, so I, I looked at the IMDb page. The budget for this film was $1.8 million, really? which is like, even in today's dollars, <laughs> is less than $5 million. Hmm. That is dirt so, cheap. How much money did this, this must have made? <laughs> right? Like oh, they must have made many times over. I'm sure like, they made the So just immediate hit. Yeah, I, I think so. It's got to be. I mean... Yeah, well, and even if it wasn't an immediate hit, like so, box office gross is twenty five million, so that's yep. like a sixty million dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, pretty good. 
That's really good. And yeah. it doesn't show on screen. Like the film is generally like looks pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean it's pretty minimal what they yeah. did, so Yeah, the, the the sets are like apparently those basement scenes are just shot in a basement somewhere. Yep. <laughs> and like you that suburban house is just and literally any it's suburban just house. house just in, like a crappy I, house. I think I LA. saw a post that yeah. the house was like for sale like four years okay. ago. <laughs> there you go. I did look at some behind the scenes <laughs> photos and they had some upside down rooms for the yeah, floating figured. scenes, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. Yep. I, I thought that's what was going on there. Um so yeah this they must have made so much and then of course it spawns eight more movies. Which also, I'm sure, did pretty well, and probably have more money. Yeah, and probably for you know small budget yep. horror films, mm-hmm. like the quality did not increase on the <laughs> sequels. So mm-hmm. like, it's like, oh, you can make this much with uh, yeah. with that budget. Here you go. They didn't because <laughs> like do it again from yeah. Alien to like Aliens, right? You yeah, get like a giant budget in Aliens, yeah. and, and yeah. it's on and they screen. They made a different movie. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it. Like it's on screen, and it. It doesn't just influence the look of the movie, but the content of the movie. Right? Oh yeah, like what the movie is actually like it's a war instead doing of doing yeah. and saying, and how it yeah. functions on a on an artistic level is it changed by how much money they have. Yeah, yeah. So only I, probably the reason that they have such a low budget is it's just a bunch of kids and then like t- two actors, so yeah. right? Like her her dad and then like one of the other detectives are like and, known and actors. England, I guess. Yeah, in England, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I, I'm sure that the payroll here was not super huge. Yeah, and that's yeah. where in a film, that's where a lot of your budget mm-hmm. goes. Because like today, you know, if you want to pay Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp, this is like a twenty million dollar <laughs> check that you got to cut. <laughs> yeah. Even though he has the worst returns of like any, because he's terrible actor. Yeah. God, he's just not a good actor anymore. Yeah. He stopped playing people, right? Like that's why I was I was he glad to see himself. Yeah, like I, I was glad to see him play just a person in this movie even though it was like yeah. this kind of flat you know boring person like it's not a you know guy with a crazy he plays hat plays Mike TV right yeah it's so yeah I don't like Johnny De- I don't like Johnny Depp recently um, in, in any respect um, so yeah it, it, his this was not early it feels like it'd be early in his career because this is like the movie that got Wes Craven famous but he did Hills Have Eyes before this yeah he was working in the 70s yeah, yeah. and um, so this was like his sixth feature I think mm-hmm. I looked on IMDb it's like pretty well along in his career um, so it's kind of fun to see like those work a day uh, filmmakers like make it right and like mm-hmm. to make it later on right I, yeah. and I think you see that with actors more often because actors are more visible. I think he unfortunately got pigeonholed as like just a horror director, though. Like he never yeah. escapes like schlocky horror films. Yeah, yeah. If, if he wanted to, he probably could have. I, I, yeah. I doubt he was really that interested, or did he even make an attempt? Like, was there? A, I don't know. I don't I know either. Um, but yeah, I think you see it more often with, where actors will be like playing smaller roles and then like make a break, like Brian Cranston did recently. Yeah. Um, directors less so, and it's it's cool to see it here that someone was able to. Like have smaller movies and like be in and out of TV movies for a while, and then be like, "Here's my hit," and and take off. Yeah, uh, and so. he had a few big hits. Like Scream was also a very yep. big film, yeah. and that spawned a lot of sequels too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least what three? Three at least. Yeah. I think there's a Scream four. They're probably <laughs> working on Scream five because there's no like, <laughs> why not? There's no original ideas. So yeah, uh, this one there were there were nine of them. Yeah, um, he was not involved with all of them. No, I think that there were a couple that he skipped. Um, he probably. 
still cashes checks from those films, though, because he created Freddy Krueger. Well, I hope he kept those licensing rights. And he yeah. named Freddy Krueger after a bully from his childhood. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah. the full name? Yeah. The, the guy's name was, was <laughs> Fred Krueger. And that was, like, the bully, like, in his hometown. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be fun Bullies to going to the movie theater like, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> sort of like a... Who wrote this? <laughs> uh, oh, that little punk. Beavis and Butthead were similar, I think, where there was like there was like a Beavis at some point. Not a Butthead. I don't. I don't know about Butthead. But <laughs> okay. There was like a, a Beavis person. That's a terrible name. Beavis. Poor guy. Yeah, I think it was a last name. But uh, either way, yeah. Like, yeah. that is. Yeah, it's hard to take that seriously. Maybe just because of the associations, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a bummer of a name. Yeah. Um. So, were you? You said you were a little bit scared. A few parts, yeah. A few parts scared. What was your... Because my general feeling throughout this movie is I was basically having a good time with it. <laughs> like, was that... Did you get anything close to that? Or was it something I thought it was enjoyable else? enough. Okay. It's just not the kind of... Like I said before, it's just not the kind of movie I would seek out. I would sooner seek out, like, a cheesy action movie. Okay. Because I want to see, like, the gun shooting action scenes rather than the slashy murdery scenes. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guns in horror movies, by and large. Or at least not a, not a lot of shootouts. Right, because um, I mean, the whole point is that you can't yeah, fight no, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not the conflict we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that that was what I was most surprised by was my my general mood <laughs> throughout the film. Like I was because I saw this a while ago. Yeah, my memory of it was like, oh, this is a scary movie. It's like this cornerstone character scary movie. Mm-hmm. And then I I came back to it here, and it was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is just. <laughs> Kind of goofy. <laughs> Wait, so you were you were talking about how this movie is so influential on horror after it. So I'm wondering where this fits on the horror timeline because I don't know horror movies that well. Like what came before this that it was responding to or that it changed. Like I I've seen Alien and the Thing and I know those came before <clears throat> this movie. But besides that, I mean, there's what tons was the horror world like there are tons of slashers after this, right? Like because they were yeah easy to make and were apparently making you. 60 times the amount of money you put yeah. into them. Um, yeah, I think there's a real like, thirst for slasher films in the 80s. Yeah, and, and inspired by the success. But of, what was pre-slasher yeah. horror? Because, I mean, Alien was basically a slasher. Yeah, it, it yeah it fits into a lot of the similar tropes. Um, I think when you thought of horror before this, it was a lot of monster movies. Okay. Yeah. Right? So it'd be like the... Well, the thing is like kind of the penultimate... Right. Of that. Right. Um, yeah, kind of completes the genre in a lot yeah. of ways. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a great right. thing. So for the a lot of so a lot of the fifty stuff is like they're like dealing with like communism and like everything is about like communism mm-hmm. or, or like references to communism. Yeah. Um or and then like before that you get back into like the, sort of the Warner Brothers era where it's like the Wolfman and the thing from the Black Lagoon mm-hmm. and like a lot of like these like sort of hokey like creatures that like don't hold up well at all. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, th- and they would just turn yeah. them out week after week after week. They, these are like the poverty yeah. role movies. But but those are all based on like novels. So like they're like from the like eighteen hundreds, right? Yeah. That's like Frankenstein, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, the Nosferatu. Nosferatu, the Invisible Man, like all. It's all like science and right. Ooh. Yeah, like what more I, ethereal things. Yeah. But I think well, yeah. if you want to look at a, the truly, like, the Genesis-level text of horror flu- movies, it's The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, okay. which is an, an impressionistic German film, silent German film from the 
twenties, maybe even earlier. Maybe earlier, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it would be earlier from the, like the first decade of the twentieth century. Um, and that movie is interesting in that a it actually holds up relatively well now, and it's a psychological horror movie, right? Okay. Like it's this movie that's not so much about the jump scares. It's not really about uh, it, it. It's it's more shining than. Nightmare on Elm Street, sure. right? So it's about being creepy, um, and it has a twist ending uh, that uh, oh. is kind of unexpected in movies of that era. So it's interesting to me that if you, when you look at the history of the genre, that what starts it in a lot of ways is this movie that feels much closer to what we would see now in terms of highbrow, you know, prestige level horror mm-hmm. or thriller or whatever as opposed to what came more shortly after it, which would be these creature features, um, these slasher movies later on. Uh, <clears throat> it feels like Cabinet was something that we had to be reminded of when we realized that horror was a genre worth taking seriously and worth studying and worth understanding. Um, so I, you've seen Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, right, Crossman? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I mean, I saw it a little while ago, mm-hmm. um, but it's an interesting... Uh, another interesting artifact, and more authentically an artifact <laughs> than, uh, than the nightmare is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know enough about the history of horror to, under- to understand why it wasn't more immediately influential. Well, Part of that's World War Two, but so I think what these '80s, like the slasher film, did was that like Freddy may not be a good example of this, but like the other ones are like the horror feels much more real, right? Where it's just like a guy with a knife. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. previously, it's, like, more science fiction or, like... Sure. It's like, this fantasy, could be someone in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wh- whereas prior to this is, like, you know, you'd have to go to, like, Egypt and dig up a mummy, and then the mummy comes after you, mm-hmm. right? And right. So it's, like, that's all based <laughs> on, like, literature. Mythology. And it took it takes a while for, like, film to get away from that. Yeah. Okay. Literature and, and, like, pulp literature, right? Like, yeah. again, just this mass-produced... Like it's not there to be to make you think about it all that much. Um, that it's it's there to just be cheap and make its money back, yep. right? And a little bit extra, and then you do it again next week and next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, like now, I think the horror films are coming out. It's like now that like everything has been done has been done. Like, where do we go from from here? And the films that are doing it well are like asking like really interesting questions about film. And about tropes within horror, and yeah, well, I like, mean, sort of like unpacking things in more interesting ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you look at like it follows, right? Uh, yeah, that it's it's this movie that hits a lot of the same horror beats. Like there are jump scares, there are yeah people getting trapped in the room with the scary guy that's trying to bust on the door, or whatever. Um, but it's also dealing with aging and the transition from adolescence into adulthood and mm-hmm. the the terror that comes from realizing that you have to leave your childhood behind yeah. and there are things mm-hmm. that you can never go back to right so <clears throat> i think that movies perhaps inspired by nightmare and it's dealing with the suburban horror are starting to understand that 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 there's a lot of fertile ground here and that yeah. there's a lot of space within these forms to pick at some interesting ideas um, and and it and we've kind of had this renaissance recently. Get out, obviously, great mm-hmm. example. It follows the witch, the yeah. guest, the invitation, um, and I feel like I'm really glad that genre is starting to get that due mm-hmm. within the film community, within the modern film community. 
because um, that's what people watch, right? Like that's when <laughs> people go to those movies and actually consume them. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of corny to say this, but like horror does a good job of like adapting to new things. Sure. Um, so like, again, with like the fifties of communism here, it's like dealing a lot with like suburb and like the transformation of that. Now, like a lot of horror films are dealing with like the suburb, like it's kind of collapse and mm -hmm. like the core of the country is kind of like hollowed out. And so we see this and it, it follows where it's shot in Detroit and it looks like a wasteland. Yeah. The city is yeah. just like rotting and they just shoot in like kind of abandoned houses and mm -hmm. stuff like this around like Michigan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a, a genre more than many other genres well suited to deal with those. those yeah, kind of I mean, things. our fears are always evolving. So mm -hmm. there's yeah. always new stuff to tackle. Right, and it's always stuff we don't want to ad address. Right, mm -hmm. and I think that you can make like a a dramatic piece that's dealing with the collapse of Detroit, right, and it's easy for easier for the audience to disassociate. Right to like just not necessarily put themselves in and not feel it that viscerally, whereas in a horror movie, in a, a unexpected way, because you're putting more things in between them, right between the the subject and the audience, mm -hmm. the feeling becomes more real. So that when they realize what's causing that feeling, which is the collapse of Detroit, fear mm -hmm. of growing old, you know, any number of things that that horror actually makes you feel. Later on, you can make that connection between your fear in the moment, what you're afraid of at the time, and what you're actually afraid of, what the movie's actually yeah. talking about. And I mean, I without the movie it, telling you, this is something you should be afraid of right now and being very literal about it. Yeah, I find that you have a stronger connection to the ideas if you come to the realization yourself. Yes. If you put a little effort, have to put a little effort <laughs> into coming to that realization. Mm -hmm. There's kind of that like inception effect, basically. It, it, yeah, almost tricks you into into it. Tracy and this one deals out. with that perfectly, right? Yeah. So, like, if you find this film scary, which I would assume you the most audiences did when yeah. it first came out, you would have nightmares about Freddy. Ironically, Freddy visits you in your nightmares, right? Yeah. So it's right. like, it's it is like the inception, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that it's, uh, I, I, I'm, again, not someone who seeks out horror movies on a regular basis. I have more recently because I think they've gotten better. Um, but thinking about it now, like over the past couple of weeks as, as I've been watching these movies and thinking about what horror movies I want to introduce, um, I, there's a lot to unpack here and more mm -hmm. than I gave the, the genre credit for even four or five years ago. Yeah, I think like most of the good filmmaking is happening in horror and in animation. And romantic right. comedies. Like I think that you can look at uh, stuff like The Big Sick and I want to see that inspiring uh, the similar... Hmm genre renaissance because i like romantic comedies <laughs> like yeah. i think that they can actually function really well yeah um and if we're moving towards a space where there's where genre is like taking over these indie production companies and theaters and things like that yeah let's be inclusive of all genres right let's we, if horror can do it if animation can do it rom-coms can do it you know buddy flicks can do it whatever else um the genre is powerful right people like it yeah yeah, and there's always a way to convey a good message. You just have to put the effort into it. Yep. It's, the problem is a lot of these, like, churned-out genre movies don't put any effort <laughs> into doing it. You just get some slashes on screen, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a mistake of form and function, which is yeah. almost always the mistake. You, see, you, you have a movie that looks like 
Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But it doesn't have the the substance underneath it doesn't function in the same way because you yeah. never put any effort into understanding how why something works. Yeah. And what do you know? You don't, you don't make the 60 times what your budget was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, any final thoughts or any uh, recommendations to anyone regarding this movie? Uh, I think the people that I would recommend it to have already seen it. That seems like a very common theme in our yeah. recommendations, right? Like, but, like, <laughs> that's kind of the theme of this podcast, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm only seeing them now. That's, although it stuns me how many people I talk to about the show that are like, oh, I'm basically in Charles' spot. Yeah. Right, that they're just like, oh yeah, I haven't seen any of this. Yeah, I get that a lot too, actually. Yep. Um, so okay. you, well, I'm sure there's a lot of people the who ones. are in my spot where you're kind of catching up on the film, like Sakan, or like just mm -hmm. don't watch movies at home. Right, like in the past, I just never watched movies at home. That's how I got to this place. Yeah, I just watch movies in theaters, you know. Um, so well, and at this I can point, see why that'd be true. you're almost certainly better watched than the gross majority of the country. Like that is, we're we're forty movies deep at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like you've yeah. probably seen more than yeah. most. I, I guess I can tell people that this movie wasn't that scary. Yeah, that's that true. might entice <laughs> yeah. people who would otherwise not watch it to see it. Yeah, that it's that there's a funness to it, a humor yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah, it's just I don't think I have the passion for the genre where I would go out and like tell people you should watch it. I hear that the same way I would do for like a cool sci-fi movie. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense to me. I, I feel like I used to feel the same way, and now that I've seen like a lot more horror films, it's like I actually like think there's a lot more interesting things mm -hmm. happening in most horror films than other <laughs> films. Yeah, or early, or especially yeah. that we get then we give them credit for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is not as scary as we remember it, mm -hmm. um, and there's interesting things happening here. So yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I liked it more than I thought I would coming back to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I saw it. And I, I would feel comfortable recommending this to even people that aren't that into horror. Right. Because for the reasons you say, that it's just like this is not going to keep you up at night, really. <laughs> but it'll be a fun time for a while and right. might give you something to, to munch on later. Yeah. I wish you should watch the Gremlins sequel. I think you would really okay. like Gremlins, the new batch. <laughs> the new batch. Um, okay. Because the. It's one of these like kind of anarch anarchic films where uh -huh. the director was just like, Gremlins is already made. We can't make it again and be successful. Right. So how do we like cope with that with a film? And it's like, let's just make this like anti-film <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah. And that's like what Gremlins becomes. It's, okay. it's a lot like Heather's in a way. Okay. But, but like, in, in like the Gremlin, in the Gremlins like kind of horror puppet. Okay. The it, they do they clarify out. the rules? Because one thing I never understood about Gremlins is you're not supposed to feed them after midnight, right? When does that clock restart? It's always after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. When, when, is like it, a, when do, the sun rises? Like maybe. That? Do like, time zones matter? Right. Like, yeah. Like yeah. there are so many things there. Like I don't know what that means. No, and they actually like they cope with that in the film because okay. it's just like insane. There's a complete insanity to the Gremlins sequel. Okay. That is like it's really an incredible film actually <laughs> i've not seen it but I'll, I'll put it on the list yeah. yeah the first one's actually bad you don't need to watch it but okay yeah okay <laughs> yeah and like pretty racist too so oh, imagine that in the 80s really yeah they were racist in film yeah it's a stunning development uh so your your pick uh, yeah, I'm gonna week. I'm gonna stick with the classics um, and surprise no one. Uh, go with Silence of the Lambs. Um, I think it's something nice. that we need to have watched. Get away from the supernatural. This is all just it, it's half a crime drama. Um, right. So Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I think it's a 
wonderful movie, an important movie. Uh, at least two of the greatest performances uh, we've seen in a while. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's the one. Yeah. The Academy another, Award winner. Another hell of a film. Another what? Hell of a film. Hell of a film indeed. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, join us next week for Silence of the Lambs. <laughs>